This episode of Jump Off Point is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the Boss Rush family of podcasts, head to BossRush.net or our Patreon at patreon.com slash BossRushMedia. Thanks for helping us build something better. Welcome to Jump Off Point. I'm your host, Ed Lighty Excited, and if joining me this episode, it's the Wise West Cast tonight himself, Mr. Jesse Douglas. Hello, good sir. Hey, how's it going? Of course, we got our good old Wrestle Knight who's looking fly <laughs> for a wrestling kind of guy, Mr. Josh Martinez. Hello, good sir. Ed, you coming up with a new song, Pretty Fly for a Wrestle Guy? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and of course, everybody. If you're looking for that single player experience in your gangs, we got the professional. He has his PhD in single player gaming. Everybody, once again, welcome to the one, the only, the ultimate. Sebastian Walden. Hello, good sir. What's up? What's up? What's up? How you doing, man? The Prince of Podcasts is here today. You know, <laughs> I had to tag to grace your presence once again as the great <sighs> one, the immortal, the best there ever was, ever will be, and the best, the best, the God's gift to the microphone. I'm Sebastian Walden, the single player experience. How you doing today, guys? Shit, if I would have knew that, I would have dressed yes. up a little bit better. <laughs> I'm just wearing, yeah. you know, my Zelda shirt. I like it. Yes. Like <laughs> yes. Yes, everybody. We are back in the building. So happy to be back with these guys. Um, uh, at the time this is recording, uh, Summer Game Fest is going to be rolling out. So here at Boss Rush Media, we are going to be watching um, the showcases, getting up different blogs. So by the time you guys see this, our work will be up. So hopefully you guys go to BossRush.net and check it out. Um, and uh, also check out Sebastian's work at single, for the single player experience. Um, check out his podcast and everything. Um, he's doing. He does a phenomenal job, and I love his uh, in depth uh, kind of way of thinking, and you know his reviews and everything. He just he is all around great. So thank you again, Sebastian, for joining us this episode. I know last episode we had a hilarious <laughs> discussion <laughs> but it was really good it was really good in our thing but um everybody we're gonna get to what's been jumping and what's been jumping jumping but we're doing things different because the summertime is almost upon us and so i asked each of these guys what is their summer jam album and what three songs they would like to highlight so i'm gonna start with you josh what is your Summer Jam album? And don't forget, everybody, this album, the albums have been released at any time, but she really loves to play these songs in the summertime, whether you're cleaning, barbecuing, driving, uh, whatever. It's just a good vibe for the summer. 
So, Josh, what is your album? So, when you brought this up, I realized that my music habits have shifted and I don't listen to albums as much as I used to. I kind of listen to playlists and songs. Um, But I think I narrowed it down. So, there's a little bit of background. I think I have a genre that really fits the summer for me, and it's pop punk rock music. So, we're talking... Good Charlotte, Blink-182, Simple Plan, you know, this really upbeat punk um, from like the early 2000s. So when I was kind of exploring in that genre, I think the album that really sticks out to me from that is Enema of the State from Blink-182. So that's a 1999 um, album. Um, So it's a little bit outside of the early 2000s, but it's still for me. You know that opening song, and this, so this will be the first one I'm on. I'm highlighting um, called "Dumpweed." Um, that song really kind of—I don't know why—but it's just when I listen to it, it remind it takes me back to the times when I was in high school and middle school, um, and kind of summer was going. I could I could listen to the music I wanted, and for whatever reason, that was one of the songs that always um, would jump up on my list so and i'm of the state from blink 182 i mean they've got a lot of good albums this is my favorite one of theirs um although it's there's a couple that are very close seconds in there but this is like my favorite one of theirs so and of the state blink 182 1999 so what is that little 24 years old album now Mm -hmm. yeah man that's crazy okay and what's your other two songs Okay, so I said Dumpweed. That's the opening track on this album. Um, the next one, and I mean, this is a classic. This is... All the small that's things. Right. That is it. right. That is right, my man. All the small things. I mean, that's that's like the song off of this album. And I mean, this album, yeah. I could listen to this album from start to finish, no problem. But this is All the Small Things is always the one that really... I always like that. And then the last one, I went back and forth between these two. But the song Mutt is... I really like on this album. Um, Anthem was going to be the other one. So let's call that the honorable mention, but Mutt was in there. And I, you know, what's funny is this album has a lot of singles that Mm -hmm. while, while they, I like them, they're just not my favorite blink 182 song. Like I like what's my age again. I like Adam's song. I like aliens exist, but it's some of the more deeper tracks on this album that I really like outside of all the small things. So Dumpweed, All the Small Things, and Mutt. Those are the three songs that I'm just jamming to. I was listening to them on the way home today, and boy, I was like, man, it's summer. It's summertime, finally. (laughs) Yes. All right. Sebastian, what is your Summer Jam album? And then let us know what three tracks you would love to highlight from the album. Oh man, I'm a cheap like I'm playing dominoes. My my summertime album is the essential Michael Jackson album, which highly which has a collection of his greatest hits. Yes, <laughs> already man, already. I'm you know like so I know that's kind of cheating because it's like a a discography basically. You know it has mm-hmm. basically all of his greatest hits on there. But you know I love that. I, I'll play that pretty much every summer, man. And the three tracks, man, it's hard to choose. Like. That that thing has some bangers on it. Um, you rock my world is on there. I'm like that one. That yes, one, just beat it. Like oh man, beat it's a classic. Um, Billy Jean, cause Billy Jean, it's not my love. I remember. I am the one. Come him on. walking, <laughs> walking down the uh, 
the um, walkway, uh, mm-hmm. sidewalk, and it lighting up. And I was just so impressed seeing that. And I'm just like, I wish that happened in real life. Because one day I was just walking and be like, why did the walkway, I mean, why the sidewalk not lighting up like Michael Jackson? Like, yeah. <laughs> He's a big influence to me in getting into music. Oh, man. I, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, like, when's the last time you watched Rush Hour? Like the movie Rush Hour. Ooh, years. It's been a long time. All right. All right, so let me catch you up. There's a part, or let me remind you, take you a trip down memory lane, so to speak. There's a part in Rush Hour, especially Rush Hour 2, when Jackie Chan and um, Chris Tucker were at a bar, and like Chris and Chris was, they were supposed to be just doing the regular police thing in Hong Kong and such like that, and Chris was just jamming with these ladies and was just performing Michael Jackson and such like that, while Jackie was basically trying to distract them from a case that was going on. He was just like, you brought me out here to work and stuff like that. That's how I feel every time I listen to Michael, where I'm just dancing, cruising, ignoring everything or else around me. And it's like, that is kind of how I feel listening to that. But I guess if I got to pick a third one, oh, oh, man, beat it, rock with you. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's kind of remember hard. the time. Oh, remember the time, man. You ain't playing. Um, Oh, remember the time is a good one. Um, I'm just going to go with it. Don't stop till you get enough. That one, nice. Yeah, that one's a really good one as well. Yeah, so you know, shout yes. out to Thriller, Man in the Mirror, and all those. But I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. I was just thinking of Leave Me Alone. Um, oh, that's a good from one. from uh, the Smooth Criminal soundtrack, or yeah. I know the movie is the Smooth Criminal. Um, and I never understood why they slowed it down. Like if you try to watch the video now, it's like slow motion. Instead of if you still on the VHS, it's in regular time. You be like, huh? And everything. I don't know. So. I don't know. Man in the Mirror is another one that's a really good one as well. So I'm like, that yes. that one just has twenty bangers on it. Just I I can listen to just back to back. Gonna make a change. Come on, Leon. <laughs> yes. All right. Awesome. Okay. I'm a, I'm not gonna get to you, Jesse Chest yet. I'm gonna let you go last because okay. I know you've been. I don't want you to change your mind. I'm gonna go this time, and I have to go with one of my favorite no skip albums, Full Moon by Brandy. This was released oh. by on February 20th, 2002. Her lead single, What About Us, was just like a bomb. But then you get to the beginning of the album. You just even listen to Full Moon and Rodney Jerkins and Brandy together. They were like Missy and Timberland. In a sense, and she that whole album is a banger. Uh, the one I want to ask, What About Us, is one of my favorites. That's the hot one of my highlights. But I thought so, it's it's got like um, just this banging beat drum, and it's just like you head not head not to it, and you're on the four four with every head not. And she does a call and response, and she'd be like, You claim you love me, no, you didn't, and it's just like so good and then of course i gotta get to my slow jam the body roll it's times when you just with somebody and they make you feel real good the song like this 
you know, telling telling the person that you love that you will, the way you touch me, the way you hold me, the way you kiss me, everything you do is like this is just uh, so amazing. And it's one of my favorite tracks on that album. So Full Moon by Brandy. If you do not own this album, if you not have not heard of it, pop it in and listen to the whole thing. It it is all those tracks on there is straight summer vibes, and it's no skips. I, I, I mean, no skips. And it's been a while since I had an album that had no skips. Well, I won't. I wouldn't say that because uh, JoJo's first album has no skips on it too. Uh, but that's a that's a whole nother story. Man, All the right. way you were talking about that album made me think I was listening to the Keith Sweat, like Keith Sweat Radio night t- nighttime <laughs> show. <laughs> you know, Quiet Store. <laughs> the Quiet Store. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, Jesse. What is your summer jam album? And what three tracks would you like to highlight? Okay, so yeah, this this was really hard for me because yeah, like I I mean I listened to literally everything, um, so I could have went you know like could have went the same way you know as as Josh going you know like with Teenage Bottle Rocket a you know a punk uh, skate punk band that I like or you know I could have went with like. I don't know, Coolio or something, uh, <laughs> something old yeah, school, yes, you know. Yeah. But I, I decided to go with um, a band that I like a lot called Revolution, and um, their album "Peace of Mind." So mm-hmm. this has, okay. so this has one of my my favorite songs by them by far um, on it called "Good Vibes," um, and it's a reggae, it's a reggae like. Um, not i guess kind of punk like a reggae punk kind of you know sound you know like similar to like a not not really like sublime or anything like that it's it's a little bit more reggae than that um but it's kind of like they they do a really good job of doing the uh you know like the really soft like songs and you know and then a little bit more like you know bouncy you know just a really good vibes like summer kind of chill vibes you know like mm-hmm. you know you know they're they may be a little bit of stoners <laughs> you know they might they might smoke a little bit but um yeah so the the first song though um sky is the limit it's like a lot of their music i like it it's very positive like a very very positive music um you know they're they're really try to push the the message of like you know like building yourself up and you know believing in yourself and and um so yeah sky is the limit is one of the first songs on the album and it's one of my favorite um but yeah good vibes um that it's a really like it's got one of my favorite lyrics uh, probably like it's very positive in um the celebration of you know the uh, different ethnicities and stuff like that and the the lyrics are um be, uh what is it beauty is what i think of when i see di- different colors of the skin and i rejoice and sing for them and so that's the lyrics in in that song and it's just all just all you know through the whole song is just literally good vibes like the the name of the song it's just 
it's it's a really good song lyrically and then um one of their the song after good vibes actually is called route around and this is a very slowed down like uh um, very romantic love song kind of uh, that they do. And it's a, it's very, very chill and like very, very just acoustic guitar. It's very light. And, but lyrically, you know, again, they, they bring, they bring it on the lyrics and just do a really good job with the, you know, the message. Um, yeah. If, if you've never listened to revolution and you like, like that kind of reggae, type kind of stuff like they're one of those bands that i always suggest to people even if you don't like reggae like i i they're one of those bands that i think people that aren't necessarily into that kind of music would enjoy you know they still have their songs singing about smoking weed and whatever but it's usually like one song per album so like if that's not for you you can skip over it the rest of their stuff though is usually about you just you know love and and treating people you know decent and just you know just good messages like all around um is basically what they're about so and when i you know like when i think of summer i think of like you know like reggae and and just that you know that chilling kind of uh vibe music and you know stuff like that so that's that's my pick so peace of mind by revolution and if you have spotify they have a deluxe version where they have like almost all the whole entire album also in acoustic, which is really good. So I love when bands do that because I'm a sucker for acoustic uh, versions of songs. So, all right. Well, that is our summer jam list, everybody. Um, if you want to look for these songs, you know where to find them. Uh, we have some good recommendations. Um, if it's your first time, give it a listen. Um, and definitely listen to them throughout the summer. You know, get that vibe, that good feeling. So now time for everybody, for us to point it out. Sebastian, what do you want to point out? What What is something, uh, what topic you would like to talk about that is trending on your side? Man, it is summer game fest season, and I want I want to play a game with y'all. I want to just get mm. into y'all's minds real quick because you know, like, okay, I want to I want a Gatorade get hype moment. I want to like <laughs> I want to see what is one thing that you don't necessarily think is actually going to happen during summer game fest, but something that if it did happen, you would absolutely lose your mind for. You would like. This is that kind of thing where you would jump out of your seat, fist pump like you were Michael Jordan after he won after he hit a buzzer beater, and like people would look at you and go like, "Why is he absolutely going crazy?" Like I want to know what is a game announcement or IP if that they announced a game for that would make you lose your mind like that. So, I you know I'm curious. Like let's go around the table, Josh. Let's start with you. What is a game announcement that would make you lose your mind? That that if they announced it during Summer Game Fest, Final Fantasy IX remake, that one's been floating around a little bit. I mean, and, and we can agree that that one has floated around for a very long time. Like that's been a very popular rumor ever since the Nvidia leak, um, where a lot of those games ended up being true. But that's one that just hasn't quite surfaced yet. Um, it's back in the news again. Um, I don't know who it was, but some insider saying it it is real. We just got to be patient for it. And so I think, and I mean, 
there's a lot of people are mixed on what Final Fantasy VII Remake did, but I think redoing this one would be awesome to see. I mean, Seven is, the way they're splitting it up, I mean, you can have your qualms at it, but that game looks gorgeous. That game just looks so good. And, you know, and and I'm saying all this having not played the original Nine yet. Um, that's next. I'm I'm almost to the end of Golden Sun, and Nine is next on my um, kind of my my back burner JRPG where I just kind of play here and there. So that's my next one. But you know, if that one got there, I think I would bump that one up. But yeah, that's a popular one that's floated around and has gotten a lot of hype within the last week or so. So I wouldn't. I mean. Honestly, I'd be surprised if it pops up just because it always seems to surface in front of any of these things. I mean, I think it surf somebody surfaced it during like that rumor ahead of the last Nintendo Direct. I'm like, they're not going to announce that at the Nintendo Direct. No. But then I'm like, but will they? <laughs> I'm like, no, they won't. But I was sitting here thinking like, but maybe they will. I don't know. It's just one of those ones that's floated around. So I would, I, if that finally dropped, that anticipation is all going to come to a head and it'll just be a lot of excitement for that one. I feel you. Jesse, what about you? Paperboy 3. No, I'm just <laughs> 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 No, um, actually, Titanfall 3. Oh, if, they, was- if they were to message, <sighs> if they were to, to be like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, Titan, we have actually been working on Titanfall 3. We've been lying to you this whole time. It's coming out next next summer. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I like Titanfall. I've been waiting for a new... Like, Ed, Ed can agree with me. Titanfall 2, I still think to this day, is one of the best first-person shooter campaigns I've played to date. Um. I, I would love to see a third one. Like I so much. Like that's yeah. Like that's right up there with you know, like you know like we're there. We already know that we're getting the uh, Alan Wake two and stuff. Like I'm super excited about that. But but yeah, like Titanfall three for me would be just the ultimate. The ultimate. Just like okay, you have my money. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What what about you, our esteemed host? Uh, so I was thinking about it, and I was just like, "Man, Fantasy Star Five for Xbox exclusive will just will, will make me go crazy." But now I have to say this: if Konami announced Snatcher for Nintendo Switch, and it was getting a sequel exclusively for Nintendo Switch. That's it. Like, I, I don't care if Nintendo don't never do an, another Nintendo Direct for the rest of the year. Konami would have won the year if that if that announcement happened. Like, every, I, I feel like it's a game that needs to come back that people need to experience. You got the mushroom control because it did use like a zapper kind of gun for the Sega Genesis uh, when it came out, the Sega CD version. So you could do the same thing with the, uh, with the Joy-Cons and you know, give it a give it an M rating. You know, just let let us see the blood version, the bloody version of this, where we don't have to put a code in. Just put it in this original form, and you know, 
if they want to HDify it, like uh, add some color or like kind of or remaster or whatever, go ahead and do that. But a snatcher, a snatcher coming exclusively to Nintendo Switch or even console exclusive if they want to, and then uh, or I should say time 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 exclusive to Switch, and then announce uh, Snatcher Two coming to Nintendo Switch and then soon other platforms. Um, that would make me lose my mind. I literally probably would be like, where can I pre-order this? Like, I, I would be on best... Oh, go ahead. Well, no, no, go go ahead. I'll, I'll say so. I just have something else to add that I was thinking of that, that I'll talk to I'll talk about after. <laughs> yeah, because I already... I got my unexpected announcement with Demon X Machina 2 being announced. I just yeah. need to know what platform it is. Uh, but Snatcher is the game that I want. And I need it to be on Nintendo Switch and then other consoles and PC. And I need a Snatcher 2 so they can conclude the story. I mean, they they Snatcher did get an ending, but it kind of left it off where a little bit open-ended where they could continue and like kind of wrap up that story but it but it did wrap up in this original ending and everything so that would be my like most hype moment Hmm. i've never played a snatcher game in my life i didn't even know that was ip until you said it yeah it's, it's by konami hideo kojima he made it that doesn't surprise me. With a name like Snatchers, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> well, it, um, what um, Electric Sleep, Electric, uh, dang it, what is it? Electric Sleep Dreams of something, um, or something like that. It was based off the Harrison Ford movie, um, that Ryan Gosling did the sequel to Blade Runner. Blade Runner. It, it was inspired by Blade Runner. Um, sorry, I had to progress that. Because Blade Runner was based off a book, um, yeah. and everything. So, yeah. uh, it it when Snatcher Richie came out like for PC, it only got two parts. The Sega Genesis CD version is the full game because it, it got the last chapter. So that's how it got wrapped up. So, but yeah, yeah. sorry for being a nerd. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Jesse? Though, oh, I was just gonna say like I was just thinking about you know like. Just, you know, back in the day, like, the big, like, some of the most fun games to play in the arcade were always, like, your Time Crisis and, and you know, like, those kind of games. Like, whatever happened to those games? Like, like we have, we have VR now that you could literally, like, make that a cool, like, new experience where you're in VR playing that kind of stuff. Like... You know, I kind of wish they would bring that stuff back. Like, if we, if we seen some kind of, like like bring you know bringing that kind of stuff back like in a vr format that i i would be excited for that like so you know the, like you had the the raccoon city uh what was the uh resident evil ones that they had where you could play online um that were similar uh, to that yeah. too like something or whatever the, the last one that came out was the remake uh or remaster or maybe a remake of uh, house of the dead for nintendo switch yeah. That was the last that yeah, was the last like, one. And did you use the Joy-Con or mm-hmm. like oh you can okay. use you can, yeah, you can okay. use the Joy-Con or the controller. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see them do that though and bring it modernize it with like with VR or something. Like, you know, have it like a like they could even have like a P uh 
PSVR exclusive because, you know, like all those Time Crisis games, what did I play them on? PS2. You know, like it's only available you know, like, for PS2. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so like you know, like for that kind of stuff to go to PlayStation would would make sense to PSVR, like have that kind of experience again, because we really have missed out on that. Like you know, with with the new TVs not being able to use light guns on them, you know, like it, it, that would be the only way to do it. Really, would be to do it in VR. From my understanding and my conversations I've had with developers in the industry, it's like VR is such a hard gamble. Um, yeah. Because again, you know, like if if it fails, it, it's such a niche audience, and if it fails, yeah. it really can tank a studio. And yeah, it, one of those things you need you need a big backing from it. You need a PlayStation. You need an Apple. If anything, I know you were saying PlayStation. If Apple, I think, has the bigger. Um, chance of actually making your dream happen there because yeah. like, they're they're not afraid to throw money as we've seen this latest week with uh yeah was it three thousand five hundred dollar vr device they just announced it yeah. is they're they're more likely to probably throw money at that as opposed to playstation where like let's be honest there hasn't really been a whole lot of vr support for that device both in playstation vr and the psvr too yeah yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, it still is in, in the infant stage, really, like VR. I mean, it's, I mean, it's affordable now. And like, you know, and you do have the um, quests, the Oculus quests, which a lot of people do buy. I mean, but yeah, it's still, it's like, you know, like those early days of video games in general, where people didn't always put a whole lot of money behind stuff yet, because they weren't sure, you know, so hopefully we'll get to a point, yeah, where they where that's a little bit more yeah and also there's no killer app for vr yet it's like yeah you need a killer game you need a banger game to bring people into that infrastructure i know like some people might argue that half-life alex you know is like one of those games but yeah obviously not it's not selling systems it is yeah. a, a niche game that is probably like highly it is highly reviewed but it's not yeah. a system seller that you know i can't go down the road and talk to kids and say hey have you heard of half-life i mean yeah. this generation doesn't know what that, that ip is yeah no if anything it's seller. beat saber it's beat saber or or yeah. um or super hot <laughs> like honestly yeah, exactly. you know like something like that i'd say is probably way more like you ask kids what beat saber is and they'd know what that is you know, most likely. But. Could you see like a VR version of Dance Dance Re- Revolution happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anything, it's like the the whole music era would have been perfect for VR. That whole mm-hmm. garage band, rock band kind of thing. Like, yeah. If if anything, like it feels like that era of like video games, as far as like the dongles and everything like that, kind of came a little too early. This would have probably been the perfect mm-hmm. time for that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sebastian, what is your wish game? Oh man, I got man. I I'm an easily hyped person. Like, but I'm gonna be honest, like. I'll give you three, like, off the top of my head, just off the rip. Like, if, let's just say if, um, like, any Marvel game, like, let's just say, like, um, let's just say Insomniac wasn't the only one working on a main AAA, like, Marvel experience. Like, if, if, let's just say, um, like, if they were announced the God of War developers were creating a Doctor Strange game 
would absolutely lose my mind. They would be perfect for that. You know, it, it's like we're already traveling like through through like realms and such like that in mm-hmm. God or it feels almost like a Doctor Strange type situation anyways. I'm like, that would make me lose my mind. And, you know, if I'm being honest, if like what I really want is like the people who are making games to service games, especially the Suicide Squad game, like right now, like are killing my dream right now because like i would love yeah they're killing me they're killing me softly you know as the qg's once said (laughs) like they're they're killing me softly if i'm being honest because like i would love for them to go back to the roots and start making the games like the arkham games again like it don't even have to be Mm -hmm. Arkham. like it doesn't have to be batman green arrow is there for the taking like i would love to see them make a superman game i would love to see them make wonder woman or flash like any anything but a live a live service suicide squad game that's probably going to be dead before the year is up next year like (laughs) that thing might release in march and be dead before november like we might be sitting around and thanksgiving talking about man you remember that suicide squad that came out early this year yeah it was sort of like this year's marvel's avengers or skull and bones like that's like that's yeah for sure For sure, like the Suicide Squad game and Skull of Bones are gonna go tit for tat next year as far as who could die off the fastest. And, and like, I would just love for them to go back to the roots a little bit because, yeah, that's bumming me out. And then, um, my other get like my last get hype moment is just like, I would love, 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 love to see another Uncharted game, like an Uncharted maybe next generation or even like a uncharted lost legacies two sort of situation mm-hmm. lose my mind like dmx once said up in here up in here like i would lose it like absolutely mm-hmm. go crazy over that like i'm sorry about the 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 music puns you got me in the mood for that yet if I'm <laughs> you, know, you got me in the mood. Uh, like, that's, that's a long the, first of all the the fujis that second album classic it's an all-time classic like yeah. we're not talking about no skips it's an all-time classic of course dmx is like you know r.i.p but yeah that, that that's a cut like yeah oh yeah man that like that would give me hype and honestly like i i'm one of those people right now that i just would love anything that was like oh new mass effect would lose my mind i would absolutely I want a new tomb raider I would, like i want That'd a new tomb dope. raider so the thing about this Amazon now owns Tomb Raider, so they're doing the new one, and uh, I think we're waiting for Bioware, which is the possibility that they show something at um, maybe at Xbox uh, Game Showcase. We'll actually see gameplay of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it it's a in Summer Game Fest season, like like with the big show with um, um the, with that'd Dragon be interesting. Game. Yeah, I think Dragon yeah, Age Dragon is just like, well, the Mass Effect because like Dread Wolf is like on the horizon as well. But I think is EA doing one of their own because I know they announced Madden Twenty Four, which was no big surprise. I'm like, oh yay! <laughs> they're, uh, they're skipping this year. <laughs> they're skipping this oh, year. I didn't, okay, you know, so then yeah, so yeah, I good. think they'll probably be at someone else's showcase if they're showing anything. But like EA is exciting right now. Like they. You have a star, another another Star Wars game in development. You got um, Dragon Age, um, Dread Wolf. Um, we might see the first like look at the new Iron Man game that they're developing. Mm-hmm. That that would be really cool. Um, you know, Mass Effect is also there. Um, I think they're also working on what was that the um, the Captain not Captain America but the Black Panther, the new Black Panther game as well. Yeah. Like, 
that would be really cool. Like, I want to see the Wolverine game. That got no, that's a zombie. We 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 would have probably seen that last week if we would actually been able to see. So so Sonic so Sonic did Spider Man and Wolverine. They're doing yeah, both of them. Wolverine. Yeah. They, okay. you, know what I, you know what I wish they actually would do is like, they should have did like an action. Like I think they should have did Deadpool and Wolverine game. Like I, like I have a go for the towards Deadpool. Yeah. Well, that that's if if Activision has given up on Deadpool, if they don't uh, have the license anymore. That's the only thing. I think Marvel um, now owns most of their properties back. I think that back, was like, okay. yeah, as opposed to like, I think the ones they don't own permanently now are like Spider Man, Universal still has a license to Hulk, and then um, what was the other one? There was one big one, and that's basically it. Like all the rest of like the Spider Man, Fantastic Four. Maybe? No, Fantastic Four is back. They're, oh, is it? That's okay. currently in production with Marvel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And where we might hear like an actual like casting announcement at D twenty three this year for Fantastic Four. By the way. Okay. Uh, nice. John, are they doing a WWE two K twenty four this year? I would assume you know they what? would. I think that's I would the assume they would because they just released twenty three. Okay. Twenty three just came out in March, so. If they're if they're going to do it, I mean, I think it's probably a given that they're going to do it. But I mean, that doesn't they, release till March. Were yeah, they late releasing? Release now on. Uh, okay, because I was wondering that. I'm like, hold on, WWE 2K23 just came out. I'm, and then I, it just it would be like, were they late with this game? Was it supposed to? Because normally it's supposed to be out in the fall, I think. Yeah, but did they right, change it? Yeah, but they took 21 so. off. Yeah, because they took 21 off. They came mm-hmm. back with 22, and that's kind of what's shifted that schedule a little bit. And honestly, okay. it's a better time to do it in March because WrestleMania is at the first week of April. So you've got the hype leading into WrestleMania, which is the Super Bowl of wrestling. So, I mean, that's you want the attention on stuff there because this WrestleMania, they were hyping that game like crazy and it had only been out for about two, three weeks at that point. So, yeah, that's the way to do it i think is to have it in march so we'll have so we'll have three wrestling games this year i think that wwe 2k23 aew and WrestleQuest. i think WrestleQuest. i think yeah, that's another one that's that's supposed to be out this year as well yeah, yeah that's going to be the a date jump. they set the date that, for that august I forget yeah. the exact that's gonna be early a, August. That's going to be a jump off discussion. So Sebastian, you're going to have to come back, and I think <laughs> we're going to have. I think we're going to have to probably discuss which one do we like, which one is okay, and which one is just like um, I wait for some DLC or improvements or some. some in, in fairness, though, you can't put WrestleQuest in those two <laughs> categories because that's an RPG game. Like yeah. that's but, hey, it's not it's not a fight game. It's, it's I mean you're fighting, but it's it's a turn based wrestling game. Still, it may be questionable content, and so <laughs> you you never you never know. And yeah, I, just, I, know, and I just miss the ECW games in the backyard wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, in self plug, I did have the the people from Wessel Quest on the single player experience podcast on recently. Nice, all about the game. So yeah, it's yeah, it's an like exciting um, smaller title for sure, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but like you know, kind of what Josh is saying there is like it is very much a very much a long story centric 
single player RPG. So it is, uh, you know, it's a niche within a niche. And I think, you know, that sort of is probably going to help it stand out a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, it's like I, you know, like it's so hard to stand out in this year anyway, because like the landscape of this might be the, the best year in video games of all time. Like legitimately from the AAA standpoint, everything that's coming out is like banger after banger after banger after banger. I mean, yeah, from from part of winter, spring, and uh, I don't know the full summer yet, we have kind of had our, um, a lot of Game of the Year nominations for a lot of games, uh, personally and universally. um, Like, right now, we already kind of have our nominations for uh, worst game of the year, but um, oh, nothing is finalized up. yet. No, that's uh, locked up. <laughs> that is locked up. Well, I played well, that game, and I can tell you that's locked up. Well, uh, well, for that, the lowest one at this time would be the Lord of the Rings Golem. They you know, don't need money for uh, playing that. Yeah, that's, that's the lowest. Like, um... Like, uh, what is the one for Square Enix? Uh, not forbidden, but uh, Forspoken ain't as bad as Forspoken. Now, now, Forspoken, I played through Forspoken this past weekend. That's not mm. as bad as Lord of the Rings Golem. Lord of the Rings Golem made me want to call their customer service program and ask to speak to their mama. Like, that, that <laughs> game did me so dirty. That's like the, the, the weird thing was, I think it was the it was the reviews. I don't think the game was out, but I think. It was probably that that following day that the game came out that the developers put out that apology. I was just like, we haven't. I don't know who brought the game or who played it. Sebastian, you're the first one that I'm hearing of playing this game. Yeah, I didn't buy that with my own money. I would. I'd be. I'd be hot. I'm talking about hot if I bought that with my own money. <laughs> I, I'd have to drive up to cor- the corporate office and ask for my money back. I'm gonna have to knock on the door like boom, boom, boom. You gonna have to give me my money back and catch these hands, dog. Because that game was <laughs> that game. That game was bad. I I ain't played nothing that bad in a very long time. A very long time. But yeah, you know, just uh, I I don't mean to uh, just talk for too long. But yeah, Lord of the Rings Golem is. It's a game that doesn't know what it wants to be like. I, if I would have told told you that Lord of the Rings, um, Golem had a portion of it that is a farm simulator, like legitimately a farm simulator in a Lord of the Rings game, and that I couldn't believe I was I spent a portion of the intro herding sheep into a corral. What? <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, your your golem herding sheep? Yes, your golem herding sheep into a corral. By the way, that, in Mordor, by that, the way, that, like that, in that a Mordor sounds... situation. Wait, wait, in Mo- what? <laughs> it, it gets it, the more I, the more I would describe the first six hours of this game, the more you would think like he's got to be lying. Like this, this can't be the actual game. Yeah, like, it sounds like it sounds like how they used to make games for like movies, like back in the day. Like we just talked about that on a couple episodes ago. No, it sounds about like how it bad. Like... like they used to just like throw, like throw stupid game things into something and just throw it in a movie. You know, be have the characters from the movie doing dumb things that have nothing to do with the movie, and yeah, then saying, "Hey, like... this is about the." <laughs> it sounds like it's a drinking game, and how long you could stay sober or or whatever for this because a farming simulator and a platforming game for sure in a and and what's so bad about it i wouldn't even just you know it has platforming elements but in a in core in like the core of this game feels it's a stealth game you know like it is a stealth Mm -hmm. game 
it is very much you're trying to sneak and trying not to get caught most of the time but like i don't think that's the worst part i think the worst part is the fact that you know i'm glad i didn't pay for this by the way but like and play for this whole game experience but like the fact that they put this out as a 70 dollars title was yeah crazy. like i yeah. couldn't i can't believe the audacity for it it's like it's like they charged someone to go to it like NBA prices, and it was just brothers outside playing on the street, like, yeah. and that was the final product. <laughs> and legitimately, it was I I couldn't believe the audacity, the gall, the the like the shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, the tomfoolery that was put out there for, <laughs> for for everybody to see, and then they wanted to charge people ten extra dollars for for Elvin for the Elvin dialogue and subtitles for the Elvin for the Elvin that's. Dialogue. That was nonsense because as DLC. Yes. And by the way, Lord of the Rings, you know, elves are supposed to just be a part of the lore, but they were like so much work put into that. I was just like, this was where you put the work in? Like, yeah, exactly. Not even yeah. the game? Because I'm going to tell you what, like, I have a first hour in, like, you, you get caught by one of the head honchos. It's not Saruman, but it's not Sauron, but it's like one of the head honchos of Mordor. And he rolls up to Golem, and like Golem's talking. You can't see, by the way. Like it has this weird camera cut where you're supposed to be looking at Golem talking. It surprisingly cuts to the back of Golem's head. So like <laughs> that that was already like a messed up cutscene. And then it shows like Golem's talking for like Smeagol's talking, and then it cuts to like who's who he's talking to when the head honchos. And the head honcho starts talking, and it's still Golem's voice as the head honcho. Like, you see the head honcho's mouth moving, it's, but it's still Golem's voice. And then it cuts oh, back. No. It, no, no, it, it gets worse, by the way. And then it cuts back to Golem and Slash Smeagol, like, back there. It's finally facing his, it's finally facing the right direction, like the camera angle. And then it is actually the voice of the guy, like the head honcho's voice. So it's like they mixed up the two's voices during that whole cutscene, by the way. Wow, the audio soundtrack is questionable content. Wow. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And then how, like how do you mess up that badly and like oh, not, they, like, not realize that? Budget worse, man. It gets worse. Like so you like he was talking about it's a platformer. Well, like I hit a point to where like I was, you know, like going from one platform to another. And then there's like, you know, like a Crash Bandicoot style level to where like you're mm -hmm. almost running away from the camera, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, imagine that, but you're running for like you're running towards the camera, so to speak. And then there's this big platform in the middle. And I tried to jump onto that platform. But, you know, like some games have that glass invisible wall that like prevents mm -hmm. you from going outside of the game's barriers. That glass wall was in front of the platform. Well, so you no. could jump. You could jump no. in over the. You could jump over the space, but you hit the glass wall and you fall down to your death. And like I thought, I was just like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to go another route. And then so I tried this like eight more times, and then I was just like, maybe I don't know what to do here. Like I, it's it's all. Oh, you know what to do. To you already know what to do. You had to uninstall that game. <laughs> Yeah, you ain't lying, but like, and if you so, bought a physical copy, put it in the the shredder. <laughs> so the crazy thing is, I looked up, I looked it up, and people were like, "Yeah, um, turn off the game and then turn it back on, and then load up your like, don't load up the autosave. Try a previous save." And then I did that, and the glass wall was gone. But I was just like, I had to find like a 
shortcut basically to get past the glass wall that was there. Yeah. It is it's one of the worst experiences I've played in gaming in a very long time. Like yeah. I can't remember wow. a worse seventy dollar, which is a triple A budgeted game, by the yeah. way. Experience. I mean they, they they would say ride to hell, retribution is that but they were just like that that game's not even on that level of this game being poor. you know the crazy thing is it's like you remember the the big cyberpunks fiasco and everything like mm-hmm. that i played yes. cyberpunk around its release by the way on ps5 and actually i actually liked the cyberpunk i actually enjoyed it because i could see that it was actually like what i felt like a premium product that just wasn't ready yet you know like mm-hmm. this felt like in its grandest vision, like in its total, like this thing could have been polished to a T and still been a five out of ten game. Like that's because I don't think the I don't think what they were going for and the vision was there. I think I don't think you put a farming aspects and herding aspects into a Lord of the Rings game. I don't think mm-hmm. like I don't think Golem and Smeagol as a stealth based character was compelling enough to make a whole game around. If I'm being honest, like yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think like I I don't know how this got out of the like out of like the the idea room, if I'm being honest. Like I don't know how it got well, out of that point. It has to be the publishers. I think they was probably on a time limit and they had to get the game out. And now yeah. they're, they're now because uh, they, they were just like the developer is known for point and click adventure games. This is their first time making something like that. Um, so I think that's why some people they were just like, you should be generous to it. It's a bad game, but you can see that they had ambition, they had passion, but it's their first game, first time doing something like this. They were just but like, then I would if, say, but then I would say, yeah, have you played the kind of bridge of spirits? <laughs> like, yeah. that, like that was literally like one of the most amazing, like experienced games. And like, that was their first time, like doing an actual game. Like they, and yeah. And, and like Jesse's saying, <laughs> Amber games killed it, killed, killed yeah. bridge, bridge of spirits. That was absolutely a, a amazing first, first swing out of bat. And yeah. you know, like, you mentioned like Ed, you mentioned publishers. A publisher had to try this game out before they actually like assigned on to be a publisher for it. Like mm-hmm. you know, like th- that's what's bothering me. And mm-hmm. also what's bothers me is like you had a Lord of the Ring license. Like they yeah. gave you a Lord yeah. of the Rings card, and this is what you decide to do with it. Like I yeah. do you remember the old school Lord of the Rings games for like PS2 and Xbox to where you were kind yeah. of like it was just hack and slash and such like that? Yeah. They could have remade one of those. Re or at least did a modern day take on one of those, like a Diablo style Lord of the Rings game. And I bet you, bet you, in its basis, even if it looked like Gauntlet from nineteen ninety six, it would have still been at more well received. They could have. They could have reskinned sneak. They could have reskinned Sneak King with. Exactly. Oh, man, that would have done better. Sneak King is obviously a better name. Like, child, they would have did. You already know. Game of the year. Game of the year. The internet would have been hot for the last four months. That they would. If we found out that that happened, I'd be like, Burger King exclusive. 
The crazy thing is, it'd be like somebody like Arby's who like behind the bush secretly yeah. pushing the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy's. No, it was Wendy's. Yeah, Wendy's. Yeah, Wendy's. Yeah. That's something they would do. I mean, with their Twitter, their Twitter uh, is the best. One of the best. So uh. yeah, th- that was the worst game. I I don't think there's like Ed. I know you were saying the year's not over, and I completely agree with you. The year's not over. We can hit some real stickers, but I'll be damned if I see a sticker that a bit worse than Golem. Golem is like I even I haven't played it, so I can't really judge it. But from a lot of people who have played it, like I mean, and I'm talking about really played it, have like said that this is their worst game. This is like nomination for game of the year. Um, worst game of the year. Yeah, forget but, but, playing it. I'm just sad that I even heard it exists. Golem <laughs> made me feel like my system was gonna get a virus from playing it. Like, yeah. it, made, it made me feel like you know how somebody, you know how you like you're searching through the internet and sometimes like a pop up would feel like pop up and you would feel like oh no like this is a, this is a virus waiting to happen so you quickly get rid of that pop up. This whole game feels like one of those pop ups. Like like this whole game feels like that. Like better, you don't want to infect your system with this garbage. Better, what's it? You you thought what's his name was about to show up from to catch a predator? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't be playing this game. <laughs> the pop ups to ask, are you eighteen? Well, uh, we're gonna move out, Josh. What is? Uh, what do you want to point out? What topic is trendy that you would like to talk about? So, and then this one might be, no, I know this was uh, right up Sebastian's alley. The Iron Sheik passed away today, RIP. And, um, you know, for those who who don't know, this was a very big wrestler in um, particularly the late 70s, the 80s, um, largely credited with creating um, the Hulk Hogan that we know today. Um, Mm -hmm. The first time that Hulk uh, Hogan really started his Hulkamania hulking up thing was in a match against the Iron Sheik in the mid 80s. Um, And the Iron Sheik was really just a character like through and through like this we go back to the eighties and wrestling was full of some of the biggest characters you have ever seen mm-hmm. just li- literally. And um, in, in terms of personality and what they did and the iron Sheik was, you know, he, he was real life from I- Iran and he really played that kind of middle Eastern Iranian um, character. And he, he started out as a good guy, but then really leaned into the bad guy mentality. I mean, and he was pushing stuff in the early '90s. He was aligning himself um, with 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 Iraq, quote unquote, during the Gulf War. I mean, he was doing some crazy villainous stuff, getting some atomic heat off of it. And then, what I think was the greatest thing was about him. And this is something that's lost on modern day wrestling. Um, the word kfab doesn't mean much anymore today meaning wrestlers you know what they're like away from the ring you know what Mm -hmm. they're like out of character um i mean in wwe's embraces they're doing documentaries where they're showing these guys off of away from the ring like there's documentaries about like batista's life um edge's life i mean guys that you know, I mean, kayfabe doesn't mean much, and The Undertaker was really one of the last ones to really embrace that. I mean, you got a few. MJF, I think, is one of the few who's still really embracing kayfabe in this day and age. But Iron Sheik was a guy who 40, I mean, this was a guy who was at his height 40 years ago, 
and still maintain kayfabe. If you follow this man on Twitter, he was insulting Hulk Hogan to this day. Mm-hmm. My One of my favorite ones was on Thanksgiving. That man said, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Everyone but Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but Hulk Hogan. And, and, and I want to read some of these because, this man, the Iron Sheik, he kept this character going. And this, that dude was 80. He was 80 yeah. today. So when he passed away, he was 80. So here are some of the things that he tweeted out within the last, since June 1st. My little pony, go F yourself. If she wears short skirts and you wear t-shirts, if she is cheer captain and you on the bleachers, you need to go F yourself. My fave thing in this entire world is beating the F out of jabronis. Like, this is this is an 80-year-old dude out here still <laughs> playing his character on something that's just largely lost. And I, I don't know. It's It was, you know... Really sad to see. I mean, he lived a good life. Many wrestlers don't even sniff 80 um, in this day and age. So it was really nice to see him get that life, especially given some of his demons regarding drugs and alcohol that he's had mm-hmm. in his life. But, man, it was it, it heralded back to a time in wrestling when the character, like when there was like the allegations of people saying, oh, it's fake, and the wrestlers would beat you up because you said that, because mm-hmm. they're still in character. I mean, there's a video of The Undertaker and and Vader on a talk show where Vader's about to beat up the talk show host for insinuating that the thing's scripted. I yeah. mean, guys didn't do that. Like, guys don't do that today. So anyway, I know it's a little one-sided of a, of a thing, but I mean, The Iron Sheik was really a guy that lasted and was still hating Hulk Hogan till the day, literally till the day he died, he was kayfabe hating Hulk Hogan. I always wonder like what happened to him because he kind of disappeared during the eighties on uh, WWF at that time. Um, I, I remember seeing him as a kid, but then he just stopped having matches and I don't know if they ever did like, uh, explain why he left, or if they did a like a final match or something like that. He just like vanished from WWF. So he would uh, kind of pop, he would pop in and out from time. I mean, looking at his Wikipedia page, it said he had like five different returns to WWF slash E over the years. I mean, some of his more recent ones in the nineties, he was uh, mm-hmm. managing a wrestler uh, back when Rikishi was doing his the Sultan gimmick because yes. that was a Middle Eastern gimmick. The Iron Sheik was his manager. So there's pictures of him putting the rock in, in the camel clutch. And this was, I think, 97 that that's going on. Um, there's pictures of him. He appeared in, um, what was it, at different WrestleManias throughout the 2000s. So he would have his like appearances here and there. But yeah, he would. This was the 80s was a time when there was still WWF and WCW were some of the bigger names, but the territories were still pretty big. So you had places to go if you weren't doing WWF and still make it good. You could go back to Jim Crockett Productions and be fine. You could go to the NWA. You could go over to Japan and make a name. And he did all those things when he was away because he'd go away, come back, fight with Sergeant Slaughter, go away for a while, come back, fight with The Rock go away, come back, fight with John Cena. I mean, he just was kind of all over the place. But, no, nah, he was okay. he, he was inducted into the uh, WWE Hall of Fame in the 2000s. I'm spacing on the year. I want to say it was 05, maybe, 06. Anyway, it was in the 2000s he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. So, But, yeah, I mean, the most interesting thing I find about him is how well he maintained character till the day he died because that's just not something that 
many guys do anymore. I mean, like I mentioned, MJF is probably one of the few, and he's not even in WWE. He's in AEW, and he's probably one of the best kayfabe wrestlers out there right now. So. Yeah, I mean, dude, uh, so <laughs> Iron Sheik actually showed up on in a match um, on JCW, which was uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I, and I, Insane Clown Posse's, uh, uh, they had a, they had their own uh, federation for a little while. Yeah, Juggalo Championship Wrestling. <laughs> yeah, and, and Iron Sheik went against Izzy High. <laughs> it was it was good, but yeah, like that. Like one of the things about like you were saying, like he did, he always kept it in character. But there are some instances where you got to see like what a just a down to earth, just cool ass person he was. Mm-hmm. And like and like yeah, like I believe it or not, yeah, like uh, one of the the ways that I kind of seen his like his personality of how how he really you know was outside of character was because of insane clown posse because they were actually they they were actually friends with him uh, in real mm-hmm. life. Um, I, I think in 2018 he. He ended the feud between Insane Clown Posse and Limp Biscuit. Like he, he brokered, he like made a peace treaty between the two of the, those two bands or something like that. Um, I remember seeing and yeah, like he he was just yeah he was just a a freaking character that was just always always cool. And like yeah, and, you mentioned Vader, and like you know, you had like Jake the Snake. Like there were, there was just, just like in the eighties, there were just some really like, I do miss that. Like I like we do have characters now in wrestling, and you know some really good characters, but there's just like I haven't really seen anything um, like mankind or or like you know like those kind of characters like that that I that. You just don't really see that stuff as much anymore. It's not the same. Well, part of the problem is, is, and this is where kayfabe really officially died, in my opinion, was when social media became so prominent because yeah. it meant that these wrestlers had to be in character literally 24-7. If they wanted to post anything on social media, they had mm-hmm. like they would have to do it in character. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's, that's hard to do because back in the 80s, these guys would – there was no Monday Night Raw in the 80s. So they were doing these Sunday Night Heats. They were doing the pay-per-views. They were doing the WrestleManias and, and the different shows. But And then they would maybe appear on a news program or something. So it was a little bit, I mean, it's always difficult to stay in character 100% of the time. But, I mean, it, there was less for them to be in front of the camera, to uh, shy away from character. Now it's like, you know, especially you look at The Rock, Cena, Batista, they've gone on to Hollywood. They can't stay in yeah. character. I mean, The Rock yeah. dropped his The Rock moniker for a while there, where he was yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and all of a sudden, The Rock just falls out of the um, movie credits because he just can't maintain that. Yeah. And one of the times he came back to WWE in 2011, he spoke in and out of character. Like it was kind of jarring to see him speak. He came out and he starts talking. He's like, okay, I'm going to talk first for a minute as Dwayne. And then he talks, just says, thank you for everything. You guys have really been a big support. He puts back on the sunglasses and then he's back in his rock persona. So it's like these guys are just, it's that. And then also kind of to your point, 
we see less of the big characters because the attitude era in the, in the 90s really mm. made these guys a lot more like reality based you, yeah. you got your stone cold steve austin what's the character is like a a drunk from texas but it's like yeah. it's a lot more reality based than whatever than what hulk hogan or iron cheek or even macho man were doing like these yeah. those guys were over the top stone cold's over the top yeah. But he's also just an everyday man beating up his boss. So yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just it's wrestling shifted from that time, and yeah. these more these more reality based characters. I mean, a lot of the guys use their own, their own names now. They don't even have the nickname like mm-hmm. Randy Orton. That's a he's got his nicknames, but he's known as Randy Orton. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's you know like it, it's kind of funny to say, but it's like. They yeah they kind of went away from being a soap opera, and kind of keeping the like those like those characters are all that exists and they're like you know that is who they are, versus yeah now they're now it's like, it's it's a it's a side project, you know right. it, it feels like a side like wrestling is a side project now they're all just actors doing a movie and this is a character that they do on on you know on thursdays or whatever like yeah it's not it's yeah there there isn't like all that mystery and all that stuff is gone well and it's kind of a tough thing too with these guys because i mean like you said it's it's you know it's just yeah it's, it's just wrestling wrestling shifted it's more of a reality show than it is a soap opera and you know, I I still enjoy it. I think there's some fantastic mm-hmm. character development going on. I mean, what Roman Reigns and his cousins, the Usos, are doing mm-hmm. is some of the best storyline that we've seen, arguably even you could say in the last twenty years. It's been a very good story, but we know what all those guys are like out of character and everything like that. So yeah, I don't know. It's wrestling's just shifted, and wrestling is a tough thing because you know, for the longest time, they tried to present themselves as legitimate. So that's where kayfabe came from was you had to give off that appearance of, no, this isn't scripted. This is actual, actual competition, like on the same level as the NBA or the NFL. And then when that kind of dropped, they stopped really like leaning into that a little bit and then started just, you know, entertainment. That's, the show must go on. Let's put it on. But it's such a unique form because they're not movies and they're not live sporting events. They're like a mix. I call it athletic mm-hmm. theater because that's the best way yeah. I can really yeah. describe it. But it's yeah. not. It's such a unique form that these guys just have to, you yeah, know, make, make that yeah. choice. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's almost like yeah, it's not even improv. It's, yeah, because it is kind of, it, I mean, it's it's scripted to a certain point, but but the things that they're doing are almost improv because it's like you can't do everything exact like you know you're not exactly doing everything you know like it's not all completely scripted it's like you know like you know what to do in this part and this part Mm -hmm. you can fill it in you know and then yeah but well and that's the thing too is like i listened to kurt angle's podcast recently and he was talking about kind of working with different guys and he said like um the rock for example they would they knew where they needed to go they're like, okay, here's point A. Vince wants point B. And him and The Rock would kind of come up with a loose plan prior to the match. But during the match, The Rock's calling a lot of different things. Like if you if you watch them live, they, they do a pretty good job to hide it. But you see them, they might lean in and you might 
you they're probably whispering the next move but kurt angle saying like the rock was very ring general he liked mm-hmm. to um get in the get in the ring and he would just tell them okay this is what we're doing now throw me over here okay i'm gonna throw you off of the top rope here like they were just very scripted other guys um i've heard chris jericho talk about this with like Shawn michaels Shawn michaels liked to go off the the seat of his pants he would just sit get in there and like okay we need to get here to here here's the plan oh wait you you set up a ladder here how about you throw me off of this ladder like that was like not in any of the plans or anything like that. Like it's just interesting how some of these guys like it just structured like that. And then you get guys like Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho who are just totally fine improvising on the fly. Yeah. So and I, I think that's right now the AEW model versus the WWE model where and like AEW you can tell like it is still choreographed, but you the guys have a lot more input. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus <laughs> yeah, and and I wanted to piggyback off of something you said earlier, like I do like social media is one of the things that kind of killed that era of like kayfabe, so to speak. But you know, like there's a lot of good that came out of like the I, I would probably say like the era of basically social accountability, the era of uh, you know the PC movement and all that kind of stuff. A lot of good has come out of that. But like mm-hmm. um, creativity, as far as like the the level of characters that we had in the '90s and in the Attitude Era, like. You can't uh, do about those characters anymore. Like everything is perceived as sexist or racist or racist or like somebody's sensitive towards everything nowadays. So it's like, yeah, I don't like I don't know if the Iron Sheet character can live today. Like yeah. I don't think like we live mm. in a world to where the Iron Sheet character has a place in our society today. And I'm, oh, especially a post nine eleven world. No, oh, absolutely yeah, not. For sure. I mean, and, you know, like uh, you, to piggyback from what you just said, like. They had a character that was really big until 9-11, and it was basically Muhammad Hussan. I don't know if you remember that character, but very big into the the ruthless aggression era. He was really leaning into, like, the whole, like, Middle Eastern, um, Middle Eastern big bad role until, like, 9-11 happened. And then, like, unfortunately, they had, like, these guys in, like, almost, like, terrorist garb and get up and such like that you know yeah. like on raw like uh, within a week from 9-11 and 9-11 hit and they were just yanked off of tv by usa mm-hmm. so it was one of those things to where i'm like you can't you can't have characters like that you can't have a character like you know i i loved the character back in the day but you can't have a character like the godfather nowadays where you know he's <laughs> he's on the he's on the yeah. train and everything like that puppet yeah and with mm-hmm. the the big like you know '90s pimp music and everything like that, mm-hmm. you can't have characters like that. You just you just can't. So like, uh, you know, we we're stuck with very vanilla, very basic, like basically real people. That's that's all remaining there. Mm-hmm. And I think the cool thing too is you know, sorry, and I'll I'll wrap up here on on this. I just what's cool it to me is right now wwe is telling it's one of its best stories and they're doing it on very a shoestring quote-unquote shoestring budget because they don't have the big um they don't have the big character the big offensive characters that they could do like you said they've got they've got roman reigns who is a guy who is literally just emotionally abusing his cousins and that's like the main part of this story and it's ran for three years now and it's been so good it's so compelling every twist that happens into this and i was listening to a podcast by a guy named sam roberts and he was bringing that this point up that you don't need the offensive stuff you don't need the shock value anymore because you can just 
WWE is past trying to fit into the mainstream. That's what the Attitude Era was all about. It yeah. tapped into that 90s um, rebellion era of of the country. Now WWE doesn't have to do that. They can just focus on a story. And when they we see they put their minds to it, it's not just about Roman Reigns. You've got all these offshoots with Cody Rhodes. You've got uh, Sami Zayn and um, Kevin Owens. You've got all these different offshoots to this story. Seth Rollins is in this story too. And it just shows you can do these stories without all of that shock value stuff that they used to need to rely on. And it's, it's cool to see where wrestling has come from there because People who want to say, yeah, wrestling's not as good as it used to be in 1999 or whatever it is, sure, there might be an argument to that, but wrestling is also, we have, we're going to have wrestling on six nights a week, seven if you include pay-per-views. Like, you got Raw, you got NXT on Tuesdays, you've got Dynamite Wednesdays, I think Thursday, my bad, Thursday's the night you have off, um, Friday you got SmackDown and Rampage, Saturday you're going to have this new AEW Collision okay. show. And then Sundays is your pay-per-view. That's six nights a week of wrestling. Like wrestling's just as big as it was 20 years ago. It's it's just in a different way than it was 20 years ago. And to make your point though, like you like to further your point, you know, like this, the way we tell stories nowadays is also different than the way like a lot of people told stories and a lot of shows told stories in the 90s. So, like the Roman Reigns story, for instance, is very similar to like what you see in Succession in, in Game of Thrones. It is a HBO style story to where like it is about almost domestic abuse and like privilege. It is about like what it means to, what it means for like the kid, the the character, the underdog character, the the John Snow, so to speak, of like what was it going to take for that character to rise up? How much? How much is like he's going to have to dig in the mud and be like just buried under all this piles of terrible things until he rises up? Like, yeah, the, the way we to, the way we hear and, and and feel stories nowadays is like that very the at least in the best ways is that HBO model and like WWE's kind of follow suiting with that in the way they tell stories. All right, R.I.P. Iron Cheek. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jesse, what uh, topic that is trending that you would like to point out? So I was having a hard time finding something to talk about. So I'm just going to go go with this, guys. I'm so glad this is happening, but Pizza Hut is launching a pickles pizza. <laughs> you are out of your mind. What? <laughs> I actually make this. So I do make this occasionally. I will make one of these. Um, because there was a, a show I was watching and it was like they were doing like a thing. It was like one of those food shows where they go around and, mm-hmm. and they find different like, you know, places that that make these obscure like foods and things like that, that people have to go try. And so essentially what the like the original this pickle pizza that they made at at this restaurant that was on the show, essentially what it was, was it, it, have you ever had uh, cheese fries? Like the pizza, pizza fries, where all it yeah. is, is it's, it's essentially like a garlicky kind of like sauce that they put on the crust. And then it's just cheese. And then you cut it up and you can dunk it in, um, in matzo or, or uh, in pizza sauce. Marinita sauce. Yeah. So, yeah. So essentially what a pickle pizza is, is one of those where you have this garlicky, like buttery sauce that you put on, on crust. 
and then you put cheese and then you put pickles all over it like like they're uh, pepperonis on a pizza and then you uh, a lot of times they would drizzle like some kind of like something over the top of it or whatever um like some kind of sauce uh like and that essentially is what a pickled pizza is um and so yeah pizza <laughs> pizza hut is uh is actually gonna try to make their version of that but basically what i would do when i would make my own is i would just go and i would buy those pizza fries the the and then just buy pickles and then put pickles all over it and then cook it and it's actually really good like i love pickles but I can tell. I, it's really good though <laughs> yeah so david is going to love hearing about that because he loves pickles yeah well, our editor-in-chief I, I check i drink pickle juice sometimes for fun but for fun not, well, o- not often but well i, I want to ask you guys what is your what is your favorite piece of order and what is something you would never order on a pizza uh never order okay go ahead uh, sebastian i'm gonna start with you what is your favorite order no i'm i'm a meat lovers kind of guy like give me give me meats or give me death like that i'm a basic basic guy i all i want is like all the meats and that's pretty much it (laughs) okay jesse what is your favorite for me honestly um just sausage uh black olives and and mushrooms just that's a good one that's a good one josh i gotta go with sebastian i mean meat meat lovers i you you could give me two meats on that you could give me six meats on that i will eat it up i will feel fat afterwards and i will do it again the next night it is so good and I don't know. I like going to the. We have some a couple of local chains around here mm-hmm. in Utah that I just they've they've got some good meat pizzas. So, and for me, I would go with sausage and black olives or sausage and pepper and uh, pineapple. Uh, okay. Sebastian, what is the one you would never order? Pickled pizza. No, no, I eat pickled pizza before I eat Supreme pizza. Like yeah, okay. I would never, okay. never eat Supreme pizza. Like okay. absolutely, really? With a ten football, I ain't eating nothing on Supreme. Like it, it, everything on Supreme pizza could be its own pizza, and I still wouldn't eat it. Like I don't eat no mushrooms. I ain't eating no um, what is it? Bell peppers. Um. What is what, black olives? Um, whatever is on. Oh, so the it's cream, like the. I'm not touching. So, so like the veg, the vegetable stuff. Yeah, the salad pizza. Basically, I ain't touching that. No, I, because I because the, there are supreme pizzas that come with pepperoni and sausage. Yeah, on. pepperoni. They sausage, do come with meat. Sometimes bacon. So that's, yeah, I'm not eating a vegetarian pizza. Put it like that. Okay. I, even then, like okay. I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't eat a supreme pizza if it came with like. If it came with pepperonis and sausage, I would just say by that point the pepperonis and sausage have been tainted. You know, just <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they've been tainted. I eat no. Okay. <laughs> Supreme uh, Pizza gives him the ick. What am I going to order a healthy pizza for just to eat a vegetable on top of it? You, you well, only have. You went halfway and been and, uh, and been unhealthy eating a pizza anyway. So I'm like, why just commit to the bit? <laughs> I think vegetables is part of has always been a part of the topping process. It so has. that's why when you said supreme, it's just like 
I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. Supremes have like veggies on it. But you you are for the meats and not for the veggies. I ain't eat no vegetable, man. <laughs> have you ever had Sebastian, have you ever had a cowboy pizza from Papa Murphy's? I've had I've never eaten a Papa Murphy's. I have one right down the road and have driven past it. <laughs> I've I've never thought about the I think Papa Murphy's, correct me if I'm wrong, is the pizza where you have to go in, you basically get a dough and then you have to come home and beck it yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that works for my family, but I know it's not for everybody. They got a good quote unquote supreme pizza. It's got a few veggies, but it's almost like it's a meat pizza oh. supreme pizza. So it's got pepperoni sausage. It's also got some olives and mushrooms, but some the stuff I don't like on a supreme pizza is gone from it. I it's it's a good halfway point. It's one of my favorite pizzas out of Papa Murphy's, but Okay. You know, it's okay. like I understand why people like Papa Murphy's. It's just for me, I can't get past the the point where I'm paying you ten to fifteen dollars for a pizza and then I gotta go home and cook it myself. Like yeah. at that right. point, at that point, I'm like, I might as well just go up the yeah. street to like Pizza Hut or like Grimaldi's or something like that and buy the whole pizza cooked. Well, or honestly, like it's getting to the point where sometimes some of these like frozen pizzas are better, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some, some good places. frozen pizzas out there. Some yeah. Good ones, yeah. Yeah. I love Home Run Inn a lot. Yeah, now that one. That's just that. That was Home Run Inn. For in yeah, defense, my defense good. of Papa. My defense of Papa Murphy's is just it's probably the warmest pizza you can get because you still got to bring the pizza home, has some chance to cool off. If you have it fresh out of the oven, it's you get it pretty good. That's my yeah. only defense of it, but I yeah. I totally get the the not wanting to cook it because I mean, why why are you paying somebody just so you can cook it? It's it's like when it's like when the grocery store workers expect a tip when it's like you just did your job. Well, dude, it's like going to the store and you have to become your own cashier now because <laughs> you are scanning everything and then putting it in the bags yourself now. There's no one doing that. You are working to buy, to pay for something. That's what, that's <laughs> like, what self-checkout, self-checkout is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly it's it's it bull crap. <laughs> Give these people back. I want, I want no, people a, working. No, it's a way to get your order done quicker. Because the thing about it is, don't forget, Jesse. It's I a way for them to store. save money. It's I for them to not a, have to pay I work at a grocery store. And yeah. my thing is this. I, as a cashier, don't want to ring your stuff up if, A, you're stuck on the phone, B, you leave the line to do 15 minutes more shopping and hold up my line till you get back. Because I can't void your stuff out. It's just yeah. like... A lot of people don't understand that when cashiers have to ring up people's groceries and stuff, we are on their availability. We're, we're, we have to wait till we, they give us everything so we can do our job. Or the if people you who... Dip, if, you dip, if you literally dip off, not only are you affecting my... Um, not, not only are you affecting my, my job... You're holding up the line for people who need to be also rung up and everything. Or the and people who the, get like ten scratch off tickets and then they scratch them while they're waiting in line. It's not, like even, it's not even. It's not even. It's not even a scratch off. It's that I'm. You're at the cashier and you dip off to go halfway across the store to get fifty more items to come back to the line. 
And then they have the audacity to get mad at you for for taking so long. Yeah. Yeah, I think that really is like, you know, like an an inside baseball problem, though, Ed, if we're being honest. Like, it is one of those things to where the public doesn't necessarily think about it because, like, half of the public has never, like, worked at a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's just like someone who's cleaned, like, when, when they set up a room. Uh, for like a school or something, they don't they don't think about like okay when the person has to clean this room, how, how much of a pain in the ass it is because of the way you set it up. Because no, they don't think about that. Yeah, it's, right. Can can uh, okay. um, can we think about some for a second? Like how close? Because did y'all hear of like uh, did y'all hear about the uh, completely almost automated McDonald's? Like yeah i heard about it yeah yeah we have it's actually here in my like right next to where we live like very close um but it is one of those things to where i'm like isn't that the next step for grocery stores at this point because like basically an amazon store was you just walk out with the the product so to speak and it just charges you you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it feels like we're on the border of like all humanless jobs being taken now i'm not gonna say we're reaching wally territory yet but it feels like we're we're mm-hmm. going to tell our grandchildren to start about the Wally the Wally train, yeah. like train. Yeah. Well, what, what the thing about the thing about it is is that you still need people because you still gotta uh, stock the store, and you also gonna need someone to come pick up the money. No, not pick up the money because they do it all with card and everything. But you need someone to stock the store, um, and then make sure that the technology is working right, you know, so you need maintenance and then you still need someone to come in and clean the store. So it's like, you still need humans. It's well, just that there's the no one. portion. But if there's no one, if there's no store to actually go into to clean, like, you know, like I, like I envision like a, like what if you have like a thing where everything gets shipped and then everything that gets shipped has, has a something that scans and then the robot then will pick all those things up, put them where it goes, and then and then on the other side of where they're stocking it is the robot that's taking the things that people are ordering, putting it in a, a cart, you know that that gets sent then to the person where you're literally there's one person there to it's just still, make sure the robots are working still, and that's it. <laughs> but 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 the thing about it is is that you still gotta keep maintenance with that robot. So mm-hmm. you still got to pay a human to fix that. Um, mm-hmm. And just because companies think that that's the cheapest route is not always the cheapest because they have to spend money to buy that robot. That store mm-hmm. is not making that robot itself. If if Amazon, use Amazon as an example, if Amazon wanted to do that and let's say Apple was making the robots, Apple would have the right to charge them about $250,000 a robot. Who's well, that's what, that's that's a one charge though. One charge, two hundred fifty thousand for one for one robot, and you trying to get multiple robots versus though versus having to pay not only a person a salary wage, and you also have to worry about their insurance. You also have to worry about the liability mm-hmm. with that. And like, I, you know, I'm against the, the worker, the, like the robots taking over. You know, like I I'm kind of scared of the Wally I robot situation. But yeah. I, I digress. Like while you were talking, Ed, I'm I was thinking to myself the business aspect of me was thinking I'm like it would probably be cheaper in the long run just to buy the robot. Oh uh, mm-hmm. well, you, you know, like oh somebody needs to come fix the robot. Well, they probably by that time are going to make a maintenance robot, 
and the maintenance robot is going to be able to fix the other robots. It's like right, until the robots are demanding health insurance. Yeah, mm-hmm. the robots don't demand health insurance. They yeah. only live by the three rights of robots: don't harm humans, mind your business, and do your Whoa. job. That's See, until, that's until the, the robot stuff. upbringing, until the robot before uprising we go, happens. Before we go forward, because we're, <laughs> we're talking about we... Issa. We were talking about Issa. <laughs> Jesse, what the is a piece robot. of thing? All right, Jesse, what's the piece of thing that you would not do? That I wouldn't do? Yes. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm not. I would. I've had anchovies on pizza. I. Like, man, I'm, you know, I'm a big guy. I'll eat just about anything. But um, I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, sorry, out of the uh, the uh, pineapple on a pizza. It's, okay, that's it, why. It's like, I, like I, I, it's fine, but it's just, it's the last thing I would order, essentially. Okay, that's fine. But I don't Josh. know, like, I don't know. I want insects on a pizza. I don't know. <laughs> that's Josh. what I would do. What is the, do they what do is insects the of... on a pizza? Yeah, they do. I, t- I, I know they were selling crickets at like the Mariners games yeah. in Seattle. You do. But... Yeah, you can... yeah, there's some pizza places that they'll do insects because they're those are healthy. Like if you eat yeah. worms and crickets and roaches and stuff like that. I'll be honest. Um, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm all for I'm all for them doing because they're the talk is, is to get crickets, uh, dried up crickets, and then they ground them into essentially a powder that you could use as a substitute for um, for flour that would be filled with protein, and it works just as well. Um, I, honestly, I'd be open to trying that because I mean, f- you know, flour is isn't exactly the greatest for you, but. Well, Josh, what is your no-no pizza? Like, uh-uh. um, it'd likely be some kind of vegetable. I think the main one I don't I don't like onions or bell peppers. Um, I don't like them on anything really. So mm-hmm. on a pizza, I mean, and the tough part is, is my my wife and and her parents really like sausage and bell pepper pizza, Ugh. and tainted it, sausage. It's, I know, but it's kind of grown on me a little bit, but it's still not my favorite at all. Like, I'm like, like you, I'm fine if you put the mushrooms or especially the olives on there, but putting that pe- bell pepper on there, come on now. We, yeah. we, we a little too risky today, but mm-hmm. well, I mean, I that, they love that one. Uh, uh, two for me is I really do not like thin crust. Like, I feel like thin crust is the communion of pizza. In a sense, it's just like, oh no, Jesus didn't die for this. I know that. I'm waiting for the blood of Christ after he eats a piece every time. Right. Secondly, I do not want jalapenos on my pizza. I cannot do hot stuff and jalapenos. Jalapenos. Any anything that deals with jalapenos, I always take off, and I tell them not to add. I I cannot do jalapenos at all. I feel like it ruins. Now, sometimes the juice will flow into my natural cheese. That's fine. But the actual jalapeno, nah, that that will ruin uh, a pizza for me and everything. Like, I will literally start picking it off and everything. And I want to say, man, kudos for you for being the nicest human. And the reason why I say this (laughs) is because, like, I can can see people come in with hot takes, hot takes that you really don't agree with. Like, to your core, you don't agree with these hot takes. 
but you just shrug it off, man. Like most people would get fiery. They would be like, nah, man, you're out of pocket. You're out of line. Pineapples belong on pizza or you're out of pocket, Sebastian. Like Tears of the Kingdom is the greatest game ever made. But you just shrug it off. <laughs> you just smile and such like that. And I'm like, kudos to you, man. Like, no, you- I, I respect I respect everybody's opinions. Uh, yeah. Regardless of people think I agree or not, I respect it because it's right. You have every right to have your own opinion. Everything. Yeah. So, like, when it comes to things we like, I mean, you can't. There is no right and wrong answer to no, what sure someone not. else likes. <laughs> you know, you can't right. say you're wrong because no, that's it, what I like. <laughs> there is no wrong. <laughs> Y'all are absolutely so, right. It's just I would just I've come up to uh, I've had areas around me, and maybe it's just I've been around sassy people my whole life to where like <laughs> we would always have a quip back. We would always be like, oh. "Man, I, res- <laughs> I, I respect your opinion, but you are uh, you you're completely yeah. crazy." Like, or I respect your opinion, but like you got trash takes you know what i'm, I'm a, talking about like i'm gonna let you, <laughs> you know, i'm gonna let you finish but yeah, yeah exactly exactly it's one of those things where i'm like you know like i'm expecting a little bit of sauce here but ed is just smiling he just goes with the flow there and i'm like you're almost ted lasso like you're almost <laughs> to that point to where i'm like you can't nothing get to you man i, I respect that because i, I am who's that's usually the one bringing up the hot takes, though. He's the one. He's yeah, the see, one who. It all depends. So, yeah. he he likes to let that bomb go and then just sit there and watch it. Just watch it scatter. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. You're right about that. Because I'll be like, somebody will be like, man, Spider-Man Two. That, that show, like, the trailer for Spider-Man Two. All the gameplay we looked like looked like hot garbage. I'd be like. Are you blind? Have you played a game? Like, what is a good game to you? Like, you know, that sort of thing. But Ed just like, you know, he just shrugs it off and keeps moving. (laughs) I'd love to see Ed in sports media. I'd love to see Ed in sports media where everybody just has to argue about every. I know he'd be he'd be that guy who's like everybody's out here. No, LeBron's better. No, it's Michael Jordan. It's like you you could you guys both have great points. Let's move on. No, I've heard. no, I'll probably be like, who do you play NBA Jam? And uh, did yeah. you taste the barbecue chicken nuggets that they had? Like, I, that would be my interest. I don't I don't have nothing against sports. I, all I know is that sometimes it relaxes me and puts me to sleep. And the only time that I can enjoy sports, if I'm at a bar or Fridays or whatever, and I'm eating nachos or whatever, and the sound is off. And yeah, I'm having I'd, a different conversation. Yeah, Ed, but, when uh, playing NBA Jam, you're just like, yeah, you know, that team was good, but I really liked putting the code in to play Bill Clinton. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And Ed's one of those people who would be like, man, I could say, man, the Nintendo Switch, come on, we need a new Nintendo Switch. It's dated. It's busted. We need we need a better console here. We deserve more than this. And Ed would be like, eh, it is what it is. And I, I can also say, like, this is this is the most overrated generation of the Nintendo like of Nintendo's lifespan, and he just shrugged it off. But then, but then, but then I'd be like, okay, it is. But Nintendo was still making them coins over everybody else. You see all of this games, how many has sold a million, and then I'll continue there, to go on business. There's that spice that I need. That's that's all I wanted. I wanted I wanted to see it come out. You should have been here a couple of weeks ago when when Jesse and Ed went over went went back and forth <laughs> oh, on Activision, yeah, and and Blizzard. Oh. That oh that God. was some. We 
we it, Ed, Ed had some thoughts there. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you know, yes. that's that's why we love Ed though. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, that's gonna be it for pointed out. We're gonna quickly get into our boss rush Spencer, and I have a really good one for you guys. Um, this topic actually comes from Huli Yang. Uh, hopefully, I am saying his name right. Uh, um, you did his, okay. So he wrote um, a boss rush Spencer title. Oh, she. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. Sorry, it's. it's- I, Julie Lang or Julie Yang. Julie Yang. I'm so sorry. I I, I had to meet this person. Uh, so the name. That's all I know. <laughs> she she is awesome. She's really awesome. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the title she wrote is "How Do You Balance Your Life in Playing Video Games?" And she starts out her um, boss switch better say, I feel like I speak for a lot of people when I say I find it difficult to play all the games I want to with my schedule. I have many things to do in a single day, especially while working a full-time job. There's cleaning that needs to be done, food to be cooked, and random errors to run. So, how do people balance their life in playing video games? Many video games require extensive hours of playing to complete, and even shorter games still require a few hours to invest into the game for the best experience. So, I thought it was a good question on how we find that balance. Jesse, I'm going to start with you. How do you find a balance of playing video games and... uh? Balancing your life, like, or having a life outside of your games. Oh, this is simple, Ed. I don't. (laughs) 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 No, but, like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, right now is, you know, we talked earlier um, about, you know, like, doing the show and stuff like that. And right now, like, the kids have baseball. Um, I'm, you know, if you don't know, I'm divorced. Um. Like, so, you know, and like the days right now that I have the kids, the two days that I, you know, always have the kids a week, both days are baseball. So now like my days with the kids, you know, are like, and it's different. It's different when you're, you're still a family and, you know, you see them all the time. But so like that, you know, that's prioritized now. So like uh, gaming isn't probably going to happen really much on on Mondays and Tuesdays for me. Um, so for me, honestly, it's like, like I was joking, but in reality, I really don't like it. It's basically if I have some free time and I think that I can play some games or, or if I'm doing stuff with my kids, like I have them for the weekend or Friday or whatever. Um, we sometimes will just jump on all of us together and play Fortnite or, you know, like I like at this point, having kids and the the dynamic of of my situation, I essentially have to try to incorporate it into either my free time with my kids, or if I don't have some anything going on for like an hour or so, then I'll, I'll pick up something and play it. Which that's kind of, you know, like how I've been doing it is just if I have some free time, you know, I don't have anything else to worry about um, or I do have other things to worry about. And my ADHD is like, nah, you're, you're not going to worry about that right now because you don't want to do it. <laughs> like, you know, but um, 
Because, I mean, sometimes you do. Like, you do have to take a break from life. Like, and I think I think that's it. Like, video games right now don't happen a lot. But I try to make them happen because you do need to take a break from life sometimes. You know, and I think I think that's what video games right now essentially end up being is my my time to just take a break from life for a moment and do something fun that I want to do and reward myself for all the adulting that I just had to do, you know, or whatever. But I mean, that's pretty much how I do it. Uh, what about you, Sebastian? How do you balance life and uh, video game time? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, you know, shout out. Shout out to the listener for writing this one in. This is a really good question. I'm glad I'm on during this episode and for this question because, like, in the Single Player Experience podcast, we talk about this quite a bit of, like, um, I encourage everyone to what I like to call the backlog list. It's where we have 10 games you put on your backlog. And in those 10 games, we have what I like to call your three active games. That's going to be your your chill and relax game. That's going to be your palate cleanser game. And that's going to be your narrative game. On your narrative game, that's gonna be the primary game you play, like just just for a narrative experience. Your chill and relax game is what it sounds like. You play this game to just kind of chill, and when you have free time, when you just have like thirty minutes to kill, that's the game you play. And then like, <laughs> sorry, about oh, that, everyone. but um, <laughs> but yeah, on the palate cleanser side, that's the game you play, and it's just the game you play that you basically when you don't feel like playing your chill and relax game and you don't play your narrative game. And I find that when you have these, this active list, this legitimately like this 10 at games list, you kind of find yourself going through these games and like when you kind of like decide what's on it all the time. Like, so what I encourage people to do is when you have like the 10 games list, you, when you feel like, Oh, I've, had my feel of this game whether it be like a Fortnite, whether it be like a rocket league or something like that i've had my feel with that game that game leads the 10 games list and then whatever was on your like 11th or 10th, 12th spot that moves up and that's kind of how you can kind of like mow some stuff down and then like and by keeping everything kind of on track in that you can kind of see am i feeling like playing a big narrative game no well am i do i just want to chill and relax that's that's what i'm playing tonight if i or hey if are the other thing if like i feel like i need to kind of like i want to play something narrative based but i don't want to play the big narrative game like tears of the kingdom okay i'll play my palette cleanser game that's what i encourage people to think about like and when they're when they're trying to mow down their video game backlog so i think that's kind of how you manage everything you see what time you have you see what mood you have and by using the structure that you can kind of get through games quickly like i have a busy lifestyle but I think I've beaten like maybe 23 games this year, if I'm looking at my mm-hmm. sheet correctly. And a lot of that's attributed to how I play games according to the video game backlog rule. Like mm-hmm. that, whether or not like I'm in the mood for like one of the big three, that's that's kind of how I, I dictate it. And then I'm able to kind of like, I, I don't have the Netflix thing to where like, I don't know what to play because like I have so many choices. Like I have a very good structure in place and then I know exactly what to execute from there. So that's, that's kind of what I could recommend to people. Yeah. And that key <laughs> thing that you said too, like for me, like it's a big problem is I have to be in the mood for a lot of things. Like there's just certain things where if I'm not in the mood for it, it just, it, you it's know, not it's hit. not, yeah, no. I, so so Jason, try this out 
for, try this out for a month. Like, try making a 10 games backlog rule and then like try having th- your top three games. These are the top three games you want to focus on. And then like put one in one category of like, this is my narrative game. This is my palate cleanser game. And this one's going to be my chill and relax game. And then see yeah. how in one month, like what, and by the way, you still don't have a whole lot of time. This isn't creating more time. This is just yeah, no. prioritizing what you play when you play. Yeah. Yeah. And, then tr- and then see how you feel about your productivity level when it comes to balancing that game life balance. Yeah. No yeah, online shooters, I, Jesse. Well, well, that would be that would be my chill and relax That's game. That's chill and relax game. If he's yeah. the chill no. and relax guy. No. The palette no. cleanser. Well, fine, then it would no. be the palette cleanser, right? <laughs> no. Exactly. no. You, no, it has to be games that have that's a campaign that you could finish. No first person shooters at all. Ed, I do finish online shooters. I, I start it up, I play a game, I finish it, I'm done. That doesn't count. Well, Josh, uh, how do you uh, balance your life in gameplay time? Yeah, you know, this is an a f- interesting question just from, you know, I took I took a lot of time for granted before I had kids, and now I, I have two kids with a third on the way, so it's like, you know, my time gets swallowed up in a lot of things, and back when I was like in college or fresh out of college, I used to think, oh, I don't want to rush through my games because I want them to last, and here I am like, man, I should have worked my way through those games when I had the chance, because I usually wait until my kids go to bed, and that usually is about anywhere from seven to eight, depending on the kid. And then to add on to that too, not only do we have children, one of my, one of my kids has special needs. And so there's a lot of extra stuff that comes along with that to a lot of his um, therapies that he needs to go to um, speech therapy, occupational therapy, all these things. And he's almost five. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot of added challenges there. So, you know, really for me, it's coming toward the end of the night um, usually from about eight on is my gaming time. Sometimes I'm doing boss rush stuff, writing up stuff for the blog, podcasting. Um, right now I'm actually working on, um, a few other things that, um, career wise that can take up some of that time, but that's about the time I do it. But like what Sebastian was saying, I don't know if I have it that specific, which I really like that way, but I kind of have it somewhat of a similar way. So I've got a game that I take with me on my 3DS to work, and I play it on my lunch breaks. Right now that's Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, just kind of a chill platformer. Um, on Usually the game I play at night is probably, I would say, my narrative game. Um, right now it's Tears of the Kingdom. Previously it was uh, Marvel Spider-Man. Um, there's a couple of games I want to put into there. And then the third game I have usually tucked around is I kind of call it, I guess that would be my chill game would be because I play it Sunday afternoons, you know, after church, um, my, my daughter's napping and my son's just going outside and playing. So I'll boot it up and I'll just kind of play. It's usually a handheld game. This one's, um, golden sun on, on the Wii U. So yeah, I kind of have that approach, but my difference is, is they're kind of rigid in when I play them rather than my mood, which is what I liked what you said, Sebastian, because I think I might reevaluate how I do that. Cause there's some nights I boot up tears of the kingdom and I'm like, I'm not really in the mood for this, but I don't want to feel left behind. So I, I liked that approach of, you know, making it more centric on your mood rather than, 
you know, your time schedule. Because, like, I mean, 3DS, I, I'll play whatever I have on my 3DS. I had just beaten uh, Link Between Worlds um, prior to doing Shantae, and I did Shantae just because it's a shorter platformer game that I don't have to, you know, focus too much on a story or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, I mine's really been schedule-driven, but I really like that, what you were saying, Sebastian. I think that's something I'm going to try and incorporate because I've got a pretty hefty backlog, especially since we talked... Uh, last time how i just had gotten a playstation so i've got quite a bit of stuff Mm -hmm. to really kind of work my way through but you know as i prioritize stuff i've been able to get through for more because i'm not at 23 but i'm at nine right now and that's been a pretty good year so far for me and that's just a a really good year yeah yeah and it's because i've started to prioritize them in this way of okay what can i put in here you know rather than because last year my problem was i played hollow knight for a good six months and there was just some nights I'm like, I don't really want to do this, but I want to just, you know, get, work my way through so I can get to the next game. I can be really completionist. Like I have to finish something before I start the next thing. So there were some times where I was playing Hollow Knight where it felt like a chore. And the other game I was playing at the time was Final Fantasy VIII, which that one was fun, but then some nights I'd just be so tired that I'd get going. I'm like, I can't focus on the on a narrative right now. I'm too tired. So mm-hmm. kind of I made that shift this year and I've already almost doubled how many games I beat from last year because I'm not making myself because I've got this has been hard for me. But I've got at least three games that I had to put aside for just a minute so I could get through other things. I was playing um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I put that one aside so I could get Spider-Man beat before it left PS+. Plus. I started playing Hogwarts Legacy. I put that to the side just for a, a bit for a bunch of other things going on. Um, and, yeah, so, like, I've put games. I've had Pokemon Legends Arceus off to the side for a good six months now. So it's like it's been better for me to put games off. It's hard because I'm a completionist. I love to just do these things on, like, I cannot stop in the middle of a TV episode and come back to it, like, six hours later. It's just way too hard. People say, oh, the way to watch movies now, if you're busy, is watch an hour, like, watch 30 minutes of it, come back. I'm like, I can't. I just, I can't. So video games are kind of, that was, it's a shift in mindset I'm having right now where, because if I just do it that way, like I did previously, my backlog is just going to be ever growing. I'm never going to beat stuff. So right now, sitting at it's either eight or nine. I'm I'm happy with where I'm at because it's June, like halfway through the year. If I hit twenty games this year, that's a good year. That's a really good year for me. So yeah, you know, yeah. and you play through twenty games that you probably wouldn't have played through otherwise. That's a really good year. Um, that's why, you know, I said 10, I don't necessarily, 10 is a good number to kind of like manage if you're like super mm-hmm. into management, but like five is a good number. Just like what I'm mm-hmm. having those two numbers outside of the, 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 of the three window is like important because then you know what's the, what's the up next. But what I also recommend to people is to understand when you're done with the game, like, and then that is when you take it out of the backlog. Cause a lot of the times we spin our wheels with a game and we've, we've had our feel of it. We're just playing. a. It's almost like we've eaten a meal and we've been full for the last 20 minutes, but we continuously try to eat that meal. Like yeah. once you really get everything you can out of a game, it's either, you know, it either becomes a chill and relaxed experience for you and then move it to that slot or, you know, and make the make the conversation with yourself. Is this a game I could be playing, or could I be playing something else instead of this game well, and getting a better fulfilling experience? 
the yeah. struggle with that with backlogs is the idea that to really get it out of a backlog game out of your system out of your library is you complete it to the very end that that you see the ending and stuff instead of just oh i'm just gonna watch it on youtube and stuff it's just like yeah you can do that but for a lot of gamers in their mind they feel like you didn't you didn't really beat that game because you didn't earn that ending. What you did was you got to the point, gave up or got tired of it. And then just went to go see the ending to say, Hey, I beat the game by, by watching this ending instead of you, instead of you actually using the skills that the game has provided you to beat that ending. I mean, to beat that game, to get that ending. So that is the way that in some gamers' minds, they think that if you want to get a game out of your backlog and you have you have to complete it, not do everything, but you have to complete it and see that game to the very end because you don't get the full experience of the challenge and everything until you actually get there and do it and everything. Because if someone I wants... Yeah, because if someone wants to, yeah, if someone wants to have a conversation with you about the game and ask you how, what strategies did you use for the challenge, and you really don't have no answer, trying to make up one, they'll notice because they'd be like, "Well, no, you, you're not allowed to do that in the game and stuff." So, did you really fight that boss or not? And then you gotta confess that you did it, that you just watched the ending. Yeah, I think that's where like. I think for a system that I'm recommending to work, you really just have to be honest with yourself and, you know, honest with everything that's going on around you. Um, and mm-hmm. Josh's case, like honesty comes in, in form of time, like a uh, time and mood. Like uh, if I'm honest with myself, uh, do I would I want to spend my time, which is ever shrinking in my life in the way I live my mm-hmm. life playing Hogwarts Legacy? Am I getting everything that I need to as a gamer out of Hogwarts Legacy? If not, move on to Spider Man, and I think that's when, that's when yes, like adult choices have to have to take place. And the reason why I also recommend that sweet number of ten is because if if Josh's head, if he had like that, if he had Hogwarts Legacy still on his console, which means it's still in his backlog, then that means like it's still it's still in the rotation, it's still in the top ten list. It's just not in the top three list. And I think you mm-hmm. know like. It, it becomes a priority of like to him and when when does that game take priority enough to be in that top 10 a top three list again and i think that's that's why i emphasize that three the three is the real important thing your list could be five it could be 20 it could be 10 it's just the having that three and and having that three and then having an honest conversation with yourself on what game out of that three do i feel like playing and how do i respect my time enough to like pick a game enough to where like I, it really emphasizes the mood that I'm in and the style mm-hmm. of gamer who I, who I actually am. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of the times we play a game just to play it. So we need, we need yeah. that honest conversation with ourselves. You know? mm-hmm. Well, for me, um, I'm a single guy and uh, you know, I, I work and do what I need to do uh, with my podcast and all of that stuff. Um, I normally do a lot of gaming at night until like one or two o'clock in the morning because um i'm usually a night owl because when i get off of work i'm still like in not in work mode but i'm still my body is still active and it needs time to calm down so if i'm playing the game it helps my body 
um, calm down and get relaxed to the point where I'm like, okay, I could cut it off and then go to bed. Um, I do jump around from game to game, especially when it's a new release and everything, because definitely as a podcast host, um, I have to talk about certain games and give people an idea of what I've experienced. If I'm doing a review, I got to uh, not take my time with it, um, but I do need to complete it um, and try to get as much as I can out for that review. Um, and for me, for my backlog is, and stuff, I, I have a different system, Sebastian. Uh, and I love your, I love your system and everything. Um, I have a Yoshi coin reward system for mine. And what it is, is that any game, uh, so it's 2023. So any new game that comes out or any game that comes out in 2023, whether it's old or new, um, like Retro Prime Remaster or something like that, it does not count for the Yoshi Coin collection. Anything from previous years and backwards does count. Um, some arcade games... Uh, some arcade games that you are able to like beat, you know, quickly, um, does count, but, uh, and, um, international games do count. So I have a coin system where if you beat and complete a game a hundred percent, definitely if you do it like Xbox or PS3 or Steam, um, and you see the achievement and you get all the full achievements, you get five Yoshi coins. If you beat a first party game, um, you get four Yoshi coins. If you beat a third party game, you get three coins. If you beat an indie game, um, it's two coins. Um, if that indie game is completed a hundred percent, you you get the five Yoshi coins. I just made it easier that way. Um, if you get halfway through the game. You have to have at least get halfway through the game, or you beat a uh, arcade game, you get one Yoshi coin. Um, I did say now, I I I will say this: if you put it on easy, you have to drop your coin, but you still will get one coin if you beat anything on easy. Like if you beat like an arcade game on easy, you'll still get that one coin because the challenge is is that the normal difficulty that the game has is kind of like the real challenge. Now, I'm not saying that you can't play a game on easy, and if you don't mind lowering your coins, that's completely fine and everything. But if you like, if you decide to go ahead and play that game for normal, and you complete it, and you find with the coin uh, that you get, that's it. And then at the, at the end of the year, like hopefully people keep track of it. Uh, definitely, I keep track of my own. Um, you tally up how many games you Yoshi coins that you got from all the games that you have beaten and games that you have halfway completed, and you just show everybody like, hey, I beat these games, and out of it, I got seventy five or one hundred sixty five Yoshi coins. Or whatever, and it's just it's just a way to be like gives you a goal to have a good number of Yoshi coins, and it's a it's a personal thing. It's it's nothing, and that's for my backlog stuff. All the new stuff, 
I can if I want to get a Yoshi coin coin for my new stuff, I'm gonna have to wait for a 2024 or that following year in order to get it. So you know, um, you know, that's, I like that's the, my personal system. I like the system. I mean, it the important thing is is like you're treating yourself well as far as like your about work your work your life game life and mm-hmm. personal life balance that's that's really all that matters here so i'm like whether you use like a system such as mine or yours or anything else is like try trying to maximize yourself and like the way you are as a gamer as far as like how it fits your lifestyle it's just all about honesty and it's all about motivation and it's all about personal accountability at the end of the day so it's whether so listener who wrote in whether it be ed's way whether it be mine or anything in between it's just all about being honest with yourself and being honest with how much time you have and just you know figuring out how to manage that you know whether it be um whether it be by playing smaller games or whether it be by just realizing hey i i'm who i am as a gamer i only enjoy playing three games a year and that's perfectly fine you like you don't have to clear out like a backlog of 50 games a year or 20 games a year just be honest with yourself and ultimately just enjoy gaming and everything else will fall into place yeah yeah those games those games basically just be like games that you actually want to finish like you know not games that you know i might like that game yeah i think that's that's what's nice about the kind of like your whole 10 system is you kind of want to just put the games in there that you you really would like to see the ending of you know at least exactly Yes, and with that, everybody, that's going to be it for Jump Off Podcast. Uh, we're getting close to two hours. Uh, I want to thank you, Jesse. I want to thank you, Sebastian. I want to thank you, Josh. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time off on Jump Off Point. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye. If you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. This episode of Jump Off Point is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the Boss Rush family of podcasts, head to BossRush.net or our Patreon at patreon.com slash BossRushMedia. Thanks for helping us build something better.